Well, good morning. So good to see you today. A little different start. If you're joining us on the video, you're like, wait, what? What happened? What's the music? Well, we're just a, a little different start this morning, introducing a, a new song that's pretty incredible. So, uh, hi, good to see you today. I wanted to start by saying, I, you know, I felt awful last week not being here on all day, Mother's Day. And you did a phenomenal job. And there was something that I said, oh, I'm going to bring that up again next week. And it's gone. You know, the fun part about being 58 is you forget all the good stuff, you remember all the bad stuff. So anyway, uh, it, whatever it was, I loved the teaching. It was, it was really, um, it just hit us sitting there in this, uh, in this, what do you call it, hotel in, in New Mexico where breakfast consisted of two granola bars. That was quite lovely. Yum. The two granola Filling. bars special. That's that was fantastic. It's really what you want day before you move. Yeah, yeah. but they're, 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 you know, COVID has had its costs on a lot of different things. We've talked about, you know, connection and all. And, and one of the things that was uh, really difficult this year was having a child graduate from college and search for a job in an environment where it's hard to find a job and then land that job and have that job happen pretty much entirely from his house and not have the opportunity to be connected with supervisors and coworkers and all that sort of stuff. And learning that job that way was pretty difficult. In fact, nearly impossible. And I gotta say, of all the things that I've lost sleep on over this past year, it's knowing, it's knowing that there have been people who have been cooped up in their house alone. And that lack of connection and what that lack of connection does to the soul. So, so Nate started a search and, and we, we got the privilege last week of moving from uh, the beauty of Colorado Springs. If you've ever been to the northern part of Colorado Springs, it doesn't get much better than that. To Abilene, Texas, he went from, he went from an apartment that was so amazing. The day we walked in that apartment, we were like, this place is great, to walking into this Abilene apartment and going, and now we get payback. So, <laughs> Uh, when you walk into a new place and, and they've got the water turned off under the sink, you know something's going on, right? Turn the water on, drip, 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 drip. Kim's like, how do we get out of this lease? It was, it was fun, but we got it cleaned up after the cleaners were done. You should have seen the dirt on the rags after the cleaners got done. So anyway, but it's clean, he's in, he starts his new job tomorrow. But anyway, for me, I just wanted to say, I, I did everything I could to fight not being here on Mother's Day. I love being here on that day, love celebrating our mom. So happy Mother's Day, sorry <laughs> I missed it. But I thought, Brian, you, you did a fantastic job. So there's so much uh, going on right now to, to fill everybody in yeah. on. And, and just a lot of, lot of fun, exciting stuff. So um, things, have, things have been moving along and progressing on so many fronts like this past week, getting the official word that the, the mask can come off if you're vaxxed and all this sort of stuff. And it led us to be able to, to do something we've been talking about for a while, which is to uh, let the 8 o'clock service go on a hiatus during the summer. So we met with them this morning and, and you know, had that a conversation that we're finally at that point that uh, we're able to bring the 8 o'clockers back into the rest of the services. So here's what I love. We're finally at a point that it's going to feel like a break because we're going to be at two services. Woo! Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, I talked a lot about this past year. This has not been the hardest year of being a pastor of a church, but it has certainly been one of the most complicated 
trying to figure out just, you know, how does this all work? You've got, well, just follow the science. Which science? I mean, you know, you're, there's always something going on, trying to make a decision or whatever. And so um, really glad to be able to bring those folks back into the service with us here in, in a couple of weeks. So the 8 o'clock will happen this week, and or happen this week, it'll happen next week. And then the week after that, so many of you have expressed you loved being on the lawn for church. I mean, that was just like, it was a meaningful time, meaningful season for us. And so we've decided to go with three, three berm services this year. And, and it's the, the major holiday. So it turns out that 4th of July this year happens on a Sunday. So Memorial Day, 4th of July, and Labor Day will all be outdoor services. And we can expect <clears throat> that you're going to be running a fireworks show after the 4th of July service? But of course. <laughs> but of course. Hey, I'm, I'm from New York. The best we could do. We weren't allowed anything. Sparklers? I, I, not, no, they were illegal. <laughs> New York knew better. But anyway, um, we, so we'll, we'll have some fun not only with that service, but then afterward we're going to go ahead. Church will provide hot dogs, rolls, condiments, drink, water and uh, plates and forks and <laughs> knives and whatever else, a napkin, all that fun stuff, and the far. And then outside of that, uh, if you want to bring something along that feels picnicky that you want to share, we're going to go ahead and have some fun afterward, joining together, celebrating together, being together. And one of the things you get to do that you've probably you know, never done before is just explore the property a little bit. So I've got a zip line out there. Some of you have never... Jared, have you ever gone on the zip line? Oh, come on. So we're going we're gonna to be out there watching Jared Brooks do the zip line. That's gonna, that is going to be a blast. Get on the zip line. Got a little fort out there to have some fun in. You got the, the paths out back. I actually took a wander last night. It was, it was still light out. It wasn't, it wasn't dark yet. I took a wander to the back, and all of a sudden I hear, hoo-hoo-hoo, uh, There's this owl up in the tree, just kind of, Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take? So anyway, just uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun wandering around there. There's all kinds of paths and fun to have. So, so we'll do the service at 1030 and then the picnic to follow. And that'll happen at all three of those services. So I'm looking forward to seeing junior hires challenge their parents with some Gaga ball. Because I don't know if you've noticed. Oh, yeah, Gaga. That, you guys are into it again. That pit is it's well, it's, it's well worn. It's well stomped. <laughs> and our junior hires are ready for that challenge. Yeah, so. We do not have to mow in that right no. now. It is, it is flattened <laughs> and, and doing very well. So, yeah, the Gaga thing. I've watched you guys play. And, and I've determined that being in this position for a long time... <laughs> My, my body, yeah, right, forget that noise. So anyway, um, so that's coming. Uh, Green Lake is on the way. In fact, Kim and I are headed to Green Lake this week. I got a Green Lake board meeting, but also going up and meeting with staff to figure out what our projects are going to be, what all the work is going to be uh, happening, uh, coming up. So sorry. you guys have been awesome in terms of getting us Cheerios, Kind Bars, and Juice Pouches. If you still have plans to bring that stuff, we're looking for it by, uh, by next Sunday. Um, and I've had some, some people reach out and, and say, hey, you know, don't have time to run to the store or whatever. Can we just donate um, cash towards that? Yeah, that's totally fine. Just make sure that it's designated towards that so that we know um, that that's what it's going towards so that we can use that appropriately. Because that is helpful when we're up at Green Lake, when there's the last minute, holy cow, we just drank a thousand bottles of water and we need another thousand. Mm -hmm. um, make, being able to make those runs, um, that's super helpful for that. So, um, so yeah. And for those of you that, again, look at those a handful of 
less than a handful of items and say, well, if that's breakfast, my kid's never going to eat again. <laughs> that's not the entirety of breakfast. Yeah. That's the, that's the that's supplement. The There's other yeah. good stuff coming, yeah. we promise. Like but, Pop-Tarts. But in, instead of having all, yeah, right. instead <laughs> of having all those things listed, we are going through for those, that handful of major things. So we got that. The next part, uh, this is just really exciting. So it's time to bring back the joy, folks. Quest is on the way. And part of what's cool, if you look at the bottom there, if you count from 28 to 2, you know what that means? Five days, not four-day camp, five-day camp. All week yeah. long, we're going to be doing yeah, camp. Yeah. So, so right now, you can press that button on the screen, boom, and you can register. We'd love to get you signed up, signed up for camp. Get that invite out to other people as well. Our kids have been longing for a chance to be interactive, face-to-face. It's time. So it's going to be a blast. You know what I love about the timing of this hmm. is camp's going to end, and usually there's that... Oh, moment where you're like, I want more camp. And then we get to turn around and come back to the berm, be outdoors yep. with each other on July 4th. So that is a cool opportunity. You can already be saying like, hey, you know, if you invite a, a neighbor or a, a, family, a family member that isn't currently connected to Southfield, if they're coming to Quest, say, come hang out with us. Spend the time on the property that your kid will have spent um, time on the property for that the length of that week. So it, and I think it's cool always invite. fun to have a seven-year-old who's been here all week long who then grabs mom or dad and says, come on, you're going to do the zip line. It's, yeah. a, it's a blast. Yeah. So just a, a really great opportunity to connect. But make sure you get signed up for that. And we're continuing to look for small group leader guides, the people who will, who will walk with the kids, mm-hmm. be with the kids throughout the entirety of the week. And, and again, you know, that idea that, you know, all year long, most of our kids have only seen this much of us and they haven't seen us at all. So to be able to be, ba- be back face-to-face, heart-to-heart, having those conversations, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot to unearth in the, in the hearts of our kids. Great opportunity for spiritual conversations as well as just fun conversations. Mm-hmm. You, learn, <laughs> you learn what the family pets are. You learn, you learn what's in the garage. You learn a lot about mom and dad. It's always kind of fun. I don't need Facebook. I just talk to your kids. You know, so it's, it's, it's a blast. You learn all kinds of stuff being with the kids. It's, it's really amazing. So student stuff, do you got anything? Yeah, well, <clears throat> today we know that, sorry, I <clears throat> worked, worked mixing a bunch of cement yesterday. Oh, and good. it's still like coming up. Not um, supposed to taste it. No, no. I, I learned that after the third lick. Um, <laughs> so um, today we know that Manuka, Manuka seniors are graduating and it's all staggered and crazy. We are still going to go ahead with our normal night tonight from six to eight, uh, but just want to celebrate with you guys. So excited uh, that you made it through one of the craziest full years of school that the world will ever see. Um, so again, congrats to our, to our graduates. We have a lot of them. Uh, and I know we have more kids that are outside of just Manuka, uh, but with Manuka graduating today, I wanted to just give a sh- quick shout out to you guys. So we'll have a normal night tonight, uh, normal Wednesday this week. Next week's going to be a little different. We're going to be heading over, um, Revival will be heading over to Village Church. We're meeting together with all the area churches, having a big cookout and hangout time together. And then next Wednesday um, will be our, our last Wednesday with our current uh, refuge eighth graders. So, awesome. um, so got some stuff coming with with that, and and the kids will will get all that information this week. So you guys know what's going on, when, and who's moving where, and yeah. And in, and in our new tradition, we'll be honoring our grads at Green Lake, yeah. and having mm-hmm. fun with them the way we did two years ago. Yeah. So so that'll be a blast. Good deal. Well, we're going to continue this journey we've been on, what is turning out to be a really long journey. <laughs> it's been it's been lengthy, and we're almost to the end of it. We're up to Psalm. 
132. We've been discussing what does normal look like for the person who's devoted to Jesus. And so Psalm 132, I'm going to go ahead and read, read it again in both versions, although it's a longer psalm. I debated cutting it, and I'm like, no, nah, we've got we to gotta stick with this. So go ahead and give us <clears throat> Psalm 132. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard, it, we heard of it in Ephrata. Ephrata. <laughs> we found it in the fields of Jair. <clears throat> Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation. Her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed one. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. So again, the twist that the message puts on it, it's probably not as dramatic as some of the other psalms we've looked at, but there are some lines that just bring forth, bring forth some color. Oh God, remember David. Remember all his troubles. And remember how he promised God, make, made a vow to the strong God of Jacob. I'm not going home and I'm not going to bed. I'm not going to sleep, not even take time to rest, until I find a home for God a house for the strong God of Jacob. Remember how we got the news in Africa? <laughs> Learned all about it in J.R. Meadows? We shouted, let's go to the shrine dedication. Let's worship at God's own footstool. Up, God, enjoy your new place of quiet repose. You and your mighty covenant ark. Get your priests all dressed up in justice. Prompt your worshipers to sing this prayer. Honor your servant David. Don't disdain your anointed one. God gave David his word. He won't back out on this promise. One of your sons I will set on your throne. If your sons stay true to my covenant and learn to live in the way I teach them, their sons will continue the line. Always a son to sit on your throne. Yes, I, God, chose Zion, the place I wanted for my shrine. This will always be my home. This is what I want, and I'm here for good. I'll shower blessings on the pilgrims who come here, and give supper to those who arrive hungry. I'll dress my priests in salvation clothes. The holy people will sing their hearts out. Oh, I'll make the place radiant for David. I'll fill it with light for my anointed. I'll dress his enemies in dirty rags, but I'll make his crown sparkle with splendor. Thanks, Brian. So with every one of these psalms, we, we've tried to take that psalm and, and sum it up in a word. And as I looked at this particular psalm, the word that came to me was a word that 
that goes back prior to the turn of the century. It's kind of fun 20 years in now to say turn of the century, right? Our church was involved in a movement, uh, a movement of men called Promise Keepers. A lot of you heard of it, where we would where we would go to a stadium and it was packed. And there would be singing. Yes, guys actually sang. It's amazing to listen to a group of guys sing and, and listen to teaching. And I think the, one of the most powerful things that came from that season was that a lot of guys realized their, their, their word matters. Their promise, promises matter. It's not enough to make empty promises. It's not enough to just say you're going to do something. You need to be a person of integrity. You need to stick with what you say you're going to do. So I thought a lot about calling this one promise keeper that that's what this is about. Because in this we find David makes promises to God. But you know what's beautiful? God makes promises to David too. There's this, there's this beauty of the two making promises to each other. The more I worked on it, I was like, no, I like, there's another word I like more. It, it encompasses promise keeping and so much more. In fact, it really identifies the heart of David, and that's the word wholehearted. This psalm describes wholeheartedness. And it says for the person who follows Jesus, you're to be a wholehearted person for God. You're to be all in as a devoted Christ follower. Even those words, devoted Christ follower, it's not, eh, I'm kind of there, I'm kind of not. I'm all in for God. Dictionary describes wholehearted as showing or characterized by complete sincerity and commitment. God is looking for a depth of commitment from his people. So you go throughout scripture and wholeheartedness is a, is a nonstop theme. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. You don't, you don't just give God kind of a tenth of your life and say, I'm keeping the rest. God, I belong to you completely. I'm all in for you. Jesus repeated it in Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We looked at Joshua not too long ago. You remember, toward the end of his life, he has some things to say to the people. Last words, only be careful to observe the commandments and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and keep his commands and hold fast to him. There's, there's wholeheartedness, right? Serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Just a chapter later, he says, be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Don't deviate from it, turning to the right or the left. He says, you're not, a shi not to shift. You stay on the path. Make sure you do not associate with the people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods. You be, you be that strict about it, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God and, and, and you as you have done until now. Samuel, when he's speaking final words to the nation of Israel, says, be sure to fear the Lord your God and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what things he's done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. He says, be wholehearted because if you're not, trouble is on your way. When David's talking to his son Solomon, he says, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion. And with the willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. He, he knows our motives. He knows what's going on inside. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he's going to reject you. Which brings us to our wall out there. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. It is normal for a Christ follower to be all in for God. 
It is normal for a person who follows Jesus to be fully devoted to God. Not, not giving half, not giving part, not sometimes in, not sometimes out, but all in, completely wholehearted for God. And that's what we find in Psalm 132. So looking at the psalm, let me give you a few points that you see here. If you, if you read the psalm on your own, or obviously you just heard it, one, one thing you noticed is it's longer than all the other psalms of ascents. It's the longest so far, 18 verses long. In fact, the, previously the longest one was nine verses, Psalm 122. So we have now officially hit the longest psalm. I suspect we know how these were used. They're singing along the way as they're on their way to Jerusalem, on their way to the temple. I suspect this is the psalm that a lot of people forgot the words. It's a little longer, right? So they're walking along and all of a sudden you're just kind of humming or, 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 or something because, because you forgot some of the words and you're listening to the leader go ahead and recite the words once again. It's a little longer. You also notice a shift. A shift takes place. The last few have talked about struggles and problems along the path, problems along the journey. And in that we pointed out that the psalmist used a lot of personal pronouns, I, me, my. Well, we shift now away from the personal pronouns. Instead, it's referring to someone else. In fact, the nature of this psalm is really different than, than many of the others. It's not as intimate as the previous psalms. It's more historical. It, it's telling us a story. It's telling us something of, of a previous journey. In fact, part of the reason this psalm is, is given to us here at 132, we've only got 133 and 134 to go. Part of the reason it's given to us now is because it's possible that we've forgotten even what we're doing right now. We, it's been a long journey. We've spent some time singing about our problems. And the psalmist says, let's get our eyes back on what we're doing. Let's get our eyes back on the destination. We're about, we're about to get to the temple. But I think a piece of what the psalmist does at this point is to say, you got, you got to pay attention to this. You're not the first one to go on an ascent. You're not the first one to go on this particular journey. David did this way back when he was king. When he was king, there was a season in which they couldn't find the Ark of the Covenant. It's kind of a theme, you know? Harrison Ford, David, they're all looking for the Ark. Where is it? The Ark was lost. The Ark had been stolen by the Philistines. It was, it was captive for a while. And David wanted to get the Ark from wherever it was and bring it back home. Bring it back to Israel, but bring it to Jerusalem, bring it to that mountaintop of Zion, and that was going to be the resting place. That's where God was going to dwell among his people. So as they're singing the Psalms of Ascent, what they're reminded of is they're not the first ones to take this journey. That there was a time that there were people who took the ark for the very first time up to the top of that mountain, and it resided there. So they're getting this, this recitation of the history the last thing we see and we can't miss is that this is Psalm 132, only 133 and 134 to go. So we're in the final stretch of the journey and last words matter. Always listen to last words. When a leader speaks and they're about to go off the scene, last words matter. You ever hired a babysitter? Last words matter. Here's the phone number. You know, if whatever you say, those last two or three things, those are the biggies. You leave your kids home alone. Last words matter. I will never understand why our last words to Brian and Shelly when they were little was, don't build a fire while we're not at home. We get a phone call. 
The house is full of smoke. We had only lived in there a month. The house is full of smoke. Why is the house full? We started a fire, and, and the house is full. Did you open the flu? What's the flu? And we should have explained what the flu was, but more importantly, we should have said, don't start a fire. You're not 21. Stop it. What's wrong with you? Anyway, last words matter. They really matter. And these last words matter to us as well. So let's look at those first five verses. He starts by saying, remember, Lord, David, and all that he had suffered. I think about that. This psalmist says, God, pay attention. Pay attention. Hear my cry. Hear this. Remember David and all that he had suffered. In these five verses, we're going we're gonna to see what wholehearted looks like. And, and here's the first thing we notice about wholehearted. It isn't shy about asking. Wholehearted people aren't shy about asking. They don't hold back. They go ahead and they make the request known. I get the privilege, you know, throughout all my years here of hanging out with families from our church. I love being able to do that. And I watch a pattern again and again and again, and it happens in families that happen in my own growing up family, especially when you have multiple children. There's usually one child, a lot of times it's the oldest, though not necessarily the case, who is more reserved, who's a little bit more, they hold back, they're a little bit more tentative, and they're a little bit more fearful to ask mom or dad for the thing that they want. I don't know why. They just kind of hold back a little bit. Maybe they think mom or dad will read their mind. Maybe they think they're too much of a burden. I don't know what it is, but they'll hold back a little bit. And then there's a child in the family, often the youngest, but not necessarily the youngest, who has no problem asking for everything and anything all the time. Boom, they're just a constant list of, I want that, give me that, give me this, I want, I want, I want, I want. And you know what's amazing? The parent gives it to them. And that, and that reserved kid stands there going, what? All I had to do was ask? I wanted that. Why didn't I ask? Why didn't I make my request known? And, and it happens again and again and again. Wholehearted people are a little bit presumptuous in their relationship with God. They're not tentative and reserved. They let their need known. They don't just assume God knows what's going on, so I'm just going to keep this to myself. Now, God does know what's going on, but God wants to hear the cry of your heart. He wants to hear what's going on in your heart. Wholehearted people make their request known. Remember David and all that he suffered. It goes on to say he made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed to the mighty one of Israel. Here, here's the next thing you see. Wholehearted people, they are not afraid of promises. They go all in. They commit. They commit fully and completely. They, they don't, they don't kind of do a, well, I might be there, I might not be there, I might be involved, I might not be involved, I, I might be around, I might not be around. No, they are in, they commit, they make the promise, and they're not afraid to make a commitment. Now, they keep the commitment too, right? It's not just a person who's always in an empty way, making promises. But wholehearted people aren't afraid. He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He made a vow. The Bible is real clear. You be careful about vows. You be careful about promises. You better mean them. Don't be afraid to make them, but you better keep them. You better keep your promises. Wholehearted people are people who promise, people who commit 
Then he goes on to say, I will not go home. I'm not going to let myself rest. I'm not going to let my eyes sleep. I'm not going to let my eyelids eyelids slumber until. Now, obviously, there's a degree of hyperbole here. David didn't go on for months and months and months without taking any rest whatsoever. Uh, From time to time, our own leaders will say, there's a cause or a problem. I'm not going to rest until. Well, we don't take them literally and think, wow, dude's going to stay up for four weeks. That's amazing. No, what we understand is they're saying, I am going to be restless. There's going to be a part of me that is going to have trouble sleeping. Have trouble being quiet inside until this thing happens. You see, wholehearted people are deeply invested. And they're not only invested in action, they're invested emotionally. Their their heart is in it. We hear in this an emotional investment. This wasn't David, David was staying awake because, oh my word, I have so many problems. David was awake because it was emotionally wringing his soul that he couldn't get this done. There was, a, there was an emotional commitment to the Lord as God. Do you have an emotional commitment to the Lord your God? Does God move your heart? Are you moved by God at all? Are there seasons that you want to see something done and you're involved in your relationship with God to such a depth that you're, re- that you're having restless sleep over it? Wholehearted wholehearted, is deeply invested. And then he says, until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the mighty one of Israel. Wholehearted never quits. Until. Then, oh, I got a little bit hard. I give up. Uh, it's not going to work out. I quit. Keeps going and going and going. If I made the promise, I'm going to do my best to keep the promise. I'm going to keep that promise completely. So, so look at that. Wholehearted isn't shy about asking. It goes all in. It makes commitments. It's deeply invested both in action and emotion, and it never quits. Does that describe your relationship with God at all? Are you wholeheartedly invested in your relationship with the Lord your God? Now, I want to cover a couple of things here real quick. Verses 6 to 9. We see this part where he says, We have heard that the ark was in Ephrata. We have found it in the distance, the countryside of Jaar. And, and, and what, what, he's, what he's letting us know here in this particular place is that what the people knew historically, for a while the ark was lost and the ark needed to come back home. What I wanted to point out in this particular part of the passage is this. There is nothing particularly special about the ark. The ark is a wooden box covered in gold with angels on top of it. It's a piece of furniture. What made it special? Well, you watched Raiders and you're thinking, well, if you take off the lid, your face will melt off. I mean, uh, it's special. No. What made it special? God chose to be present between the wings of the cherubim. That's what made it special. It was special because God says, I'm going I'm to dwell here uniquely. He's everywhere, right? But in this place, I'm going to dwell here uniquely. This building. We, we learned what it was like to be away from it for a little bit. And when we came back home, we loved being here. What's this building? In reality, this building is nothing special. It's steel and concrete and drywall, air conditioner and heat, a couple other things, some carpet. It's a box. What makes it special? When two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there among them. Here's what I love about this. God... God loves creating sacred spaces. 
Sometimes we're a little bit afraid of, oh, we don't want, we don't want to worship a place. We don't want to worship an item. Well, of course we don't want to worship a place or an item. But there are places that God is uniquely present. Places where God says, I am going to dwell here and we're going to have a unique part of our relationship right here. One of the reasons we gather, this is, this is not a convenience, this is a conviction. Because when we're together, God is with us in a unique way like he is not in other places. And so we learn that through the ark. Then we go on to verses 10 and, and on through the rest of the chapter. And, and here's what we see here. We turn from David's commitment to God to God's commitment to David. He says, your sons obey me. You're going you're gonna to have a, a son on the throne forever. I'm committed to you in that. And then he goes on to describe what it's going to be like in that relationship. He says, this place, this place right here, this mountain, this is going to be my resting place. I will live here. This is the home I desire. This is where I will uniquely meet with my people. I'll bless this city and make it prosperous. I'm going to give food to the poor. I'm going to, I'm going to clothe the priests with godliness. It's going, to be, it's going to be a special and beautiful place. Here's what I love about this part of the chapter. It's not just that we're committed to God. God is committed to us. It's not just that we're wholehearted for God, but God is wholehearted for us. It's not just that we make promises to God, but God makes promises to us. And he keeps those promises, and he fulfills those promises. He is wholeheartedly, completely in for you. He loves you. Now again, you go back to that family analogy, and some of you look around and you go, yeah, I know he loves my sibling, I know he loves that person sitting over there or that person over there, but me, I don't feel all that special. The Bible says that when we are wholeheartedly in it for God, God is wholeheartedly in it for us. He loves us wholly and completely, and we can know that about our relationship with him. Absolutely normal to be wholehearted, both our commitment to God and his to us. So I have some questions for you. And these are the questions that I'd like you to be thinking about as we move into communion as well as as you just move throughout the week. And the first is this. What is the object of your wholehearted devotion? You're wholehearted for something. Maybe it's your kids. You're all in. I'm talking to a mom this morning, celebrating a, about to celebrate a one-year one birthday, and she's talking about all the stress of putting that one-year birthday together. And I'm like, wait until they need to move from Colorado Springs to Austin. It doesn't get easier, Right? Maybe you're wholehearted in for your kids, wholehearted in for your spouse. Maybe you're wholehearted in for your house. Maybe it's your lawn, weed-free lawn, not a dandelion anywhere. You're wholehearted. You're all in. There's something, there's something that matters to you. Maybe it's your team. It's fun wandering the airport. You know, going through the airport, and there's this couple, young couple, looked fairly, fairly married, fairly newly married, and, and they're cubs everything. Cub t-shirt, cub hat, cub jacket, both of them. I was looking for cub shoes and socks. I mean, everything was cub. I just want to walk up to them and say, so you love them socks, huh? Well, I mean, they're, they're wearing their passion on their body. What are you all in for? Here's the thing. Anything less than or other than God is an idol. As a Christ follower, it is only normal to be all in for God. Not that we can't care about other things, but wholeheartedness belongs to God. So how do you express that wholehearted devotion to God? What does it look like to other... Do people even know that you're wholehearted? When you're wholehearted, people know. To the point of annoyance. 
There are some of you that you know, when you start talking about certain things to your family, you see whites of eyes. You're wholehearted, right? Are you there in your relationship with God? What does it look like? And, And my question would be, does anyone else notice your wholeheartedness? I was in a group a lot too long ago, and I love this. I love this story. I'm going to protect the identity a bit. A woman was talking about her spiritual journey, and she said, you know, for a long time at work, I've been known as a different name, Joliet Jane. Joliet Jane was kind of a way of saying uh, a little rough and tumble. And for those of you from Joliet, I know you think it's Naperville. It's not, okay? So it was their way of saying a little rough and tumble. And she said, over the last couple of years in my relationship and walk with God, I've got a new nickname. Jesus, Jane. That's not because she's walking around all the time saying, stop swearing. Here's a track. It's because they're seeing Jesus show through her life. They see her passion on display without having to put a poster above saying, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Does anybody know you're wholeheartedly in for God? Even this morning as you're leaving the house, do you tell everybody, yeah, we go for donuts every week? (laughs) Afraid to say, I go to church. Wholehearted. That's normal. That's normal. So this morning we're going to do a little bit of extra singing to give you a chance to express your wholehearted devotion to God. To To let your lungs just sing out to God. In the first song, though, we're going to move to communion you got tables on either side, tables in the back, gluten-free on the side of the stage, as well as a table over in the corner. And when you go for communion this morning, I want you to think through this. As you're holding that bread, there was someone who loved you so wholeheartedly that they, were allow, that they would allow their body to be crucified for you. There's someone who loved you wholeheartedly that every drop of their blood spilled out on the ground. It is one thing to think about whether or not we are wholehearted for God, but here's the thing we know. He is wholehearted for us. He is all in for us. And that should motivate our all on, on all our, motivate our all on, we're in for him. <laughs> I can say Ephrata. There we go. <laughs> so, as we start to sing, go to communion, come back. Enjoy your relationship with God. Father in heaven, thank you for being wholehearted for us. Help us to be wholehearted for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tender whisper of love in the 
You know, sometimes when the songs are chosen, we don't necessarily know the theme ahead of time. Pretty good picks. My goodness, I mean, everyone, if you were listening during Everby, it was the sermon all over again. It was amazing. So we had a plan of doing a song as a walkout song today, but for a change, that, that preacher wasn't quite so windy. We got a little time, so you're not going anywhere, all right? One more song. Some of your souls have been dying to sing. Some of you don't get it. That's your problem. For the rest of us, we're going to sing, and then you will say goodbye, okay? Let's sing. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested in my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained.